Welcome to McKnight's Senior Living Newsmakers Podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. Hi, this is McKnight's Senior Living Editor, Lois Bowers, and joining us on the podcast today is Jane Mack, President and CEO of Friends Services Alliance in Bluebell, Pennsylvania. Jane, thanks for being here today. Thank you. You spoke at the Leading Age Annual Meeting about how organizations can help their boards lead during periods of challenge and change. From your work, what are some of the biggest challenges facing senior living organizations right now? I think that this is a time of incredible fast-paced change in the senior living industry. And so between workforce, changing demographics and demands of the consumer, the increased call for technology, the increased need to be able to integrate all the information that is gathered in an organization. It's just a very complex and challenging and fast-moving time. And so as organizations, senior living, people don't go into senior living just because it's a career. They go in because it's a passion. And so how you work and how boards work to balance being able to meet the mission and do that work, given all this stuff that is happening in the industry, in the background, and as the sands continue to shift under our feet, there are challenges. What are some of the ways that boards can help an organization address the challenges that they're facing? So thinking about challenges, I mean, there's everyday challenges, and then there's big challenges. And boards don't need to be involved in the everyday challenges. Where a board can best serve an organization is when it comes to these big challenges. The shifting dynamics, consumer requirements, the regulations, that type of thing. And so having a board that is prepared, that is educated, that understands their role and partners with administration to think about these challenges and to think ahead is how they can best benefit the organization. They have a very unique role to play. It's a very interesting dynamic because you have paid professionals who are in this work every day. And then you have volunteer boards who, in most cases, this isn't the work that they're doing, but yet we're asking them to come in and to help lead the organization in these times of great change. And so boards understanding what their role is, being prepared, and then performing are how they can help organization most. What can senior living organizations do to strengthen their boards? So I think about it in kind of four different ways. One is having the right people, the right processes, the right preparation, and then effective engagement. So thinking about the right people, having a board, you think of the collective capacity of the board. And having, uh, Jim Collins would say, the right people in the right seats on the bus, it's true for boards. So thinking about all the different perspectives that you need, the skill sets, the attributes. You need people who are deep thinkers. You need people who will ask questions. You need people who will challenge the status quo. You need leaders, and you need other folks who maybe don't want to be in a leadership role, but they're going to contribute. You need people who are collaborators, and you need people who are independent thinkers. So I love that term, collective capacity for the board. So having the right people is a huge priority. 
And also when you're thinking about people thinking about leadership and having the good, strong people who are in leadership roles on the board, board chair, yes, but also committee chairs and that type of thing, so that they're helping to focus on the right work and move things forward. So right people, right processes is about the structure and the way that the board does its work. One of the things I say all the time is that time in a board meeting is a very precious and finite resource, and you want to make the best use of that that you can. So hopefully organizations are structured, their boards are structured with committees, task forces, work groups. People are using the term sprint groups now that are focused on short-term specific projects and using those groups to do a lot of the groundwork and then bringing summaries and recommendations to the board so that time at a board meeting is spent in good, deep discussion and making decisions. It's not doing all of that work. So process is important, and then structure is important. Again, looking at your committee structure, are board committees focused on board work, or are they focused on operational work? How does interaction happen? So thinking about right processes and how that's all done. And then preparation, it's really a partnership between administration and the board to be able to leverage the board's capacity to its utmost. And so I think about the administration prepares the board to do its job, then the board has to perform. So think about orientation for the board and ongoing education and how they understand the industry that they're working in. You know, as I said before, these are volunteers who maybe they get together four times a year as a board, so they're sort of in and out. And for people who are working in this every day, it's really easy to assume that everything that's in our heads is in the head of our board members. And that's not necessarily true. So context, context, context. Making sure we're providing board members and the board with the context they need to engage in these strategic discussions and make good decisions. And then from the board perspective, it is doing that job. So individual board members, it's making sure you're preparing for the meeting, that you're coming in, you're asking questions, you are contributing to the discussion in a productive way. It's about the culture in the boardroom and in the board meetings. Is it a culture that invites people to ask difficult questions and challenge the status quo? Is it a culture that looks for perspectives from all these great different diverse board members you have recruited, so that becomes part of the conversation. A lot of that falls on the board chair in terms of how they may facilitate a meeting. And then, again, how the agenda is structured for the board meeting so that there is time allowed for this generative discussion, strategic discussion, and having all that work, that you're not spending time doing work that really ought to be done in a committee or a task force or could be material that's read in advance of a board meeting. It doesn't have to be shared. So making sure you're making the most effective and efficient use of the time and the talent and the wisdom that board members are bringing. And then what are some of the ways that organizations can identify potential board members? 
whose skills align with their needs and then entice them to help the organization? That's a challenging question because the most common tactic for recruitment is, okay, who do we know? We need to bring somebody on the board who has marketing experience. Who do we as board members know that's from a marketing background and can help that? But that doesn't necessarily get you where you need to go. And it also very often brings in people who are from the same, you know, we're having lots of discussion about the importance of diversity on boards. And so it brings in people from the same industries, from the same economic areas, from the same geographical areas. So I think it starts with boards thinking carefully and strategically about what is it that they need on their board. What are those skill sets and attributes and that type of thing? And that that should be a dynamic process that changes those desired board members' characteristics change with as the organization changes. And so then it is, okay, who do we know, number one? But it's like, who might we be working with? Who have we heard speak? Who do other organizations that are in the same field that we are, that maybe people have rotated off their boards that are good board members? Whose books have we read? Really needing to just cast a broad net and think widely about it. It's good for the staff leadership to be involved in thinking about potential board members. Not that you want to bring in the CEO's best friends all the time and have that situation, but they may be involved in Rotary. They may be involved in other community organizations or exposed to different populations than board members are. So tapping into as wide a network as you can to think about potential board members. I was having a conversation with a CEO and board chair of an organization I've done some work with, and we were talking about the new dynamic that having virtual meetings during COVID has brought to governance and the challenges of getting board members to come back to meetings in person because doing them virtually is easy, and it allows very efficient use of time. You can go from this meeting to that meeting to that meeting. You're not thinking about transportation. But what does that mean in terms of governance? And I encourage boards to think about, we need to accept that this virtual thing is here to stay. It's not going away. So do we want to leverage that in terms of our board makeup and bringing in skill sets and board members from outside our immediate geographic area who can make us stronger and can bring us voices that we need to have as part of the conversation. And then think about, do you want to establish expectations about attendance in person? So you can have somebody who has to drive three hours for your board meetings and say, okay, if we meet four times a year, we want you to come to two of them in person and the others are virtual. Or we will pay for you to fly in if it's somebody who has to fly. But Thinking about how's that equation work for the organization? Where are you going to most benefit from it in a cost-benefit analysis of the opportunity that virtual meetings have brought us? When the board is in place, how can the organization continue to educate members? So lots of different ways. We're sitting here at the Leading Age Conference. Being able to bring board members to a Leading Age Conference is good. And I've worked with little small organizations that serve less than 100 residents. 
but they make sure to include in their budget every year to bring at least one board member. There's the state associations that have meetings. There's lots of educational things that go on. Again, these days, what the pandemic, one of the benefits that came out of that was all the virtual things that are available for education. And then there's written material, there's podcasts, there's all those kinds of things. I think it starts right from the very beginning when you are recruiting potential board members to establish that expectation that they are going to commit to continuing education about the field that this organization they're serving is working with. And so then it's up to administration to provide them with those educational opportunities. So written material, virtual things, in-person conferences, virtual conferences, bringing in organizations that have strong people on their staff in different fields, having them come to a board meeting once in a while and give a report what's going on in the program they're leading, what are the big challenges they're facing, that kind of thing. I also, just in terms of context, context, so this may be a little bit away from the question, boards having a conversation with their CEO once a year, every 18 months, what's keeping you up at night? And so they can hear what are the different things that are going on because, yeah, there are always those immediate things, the tyranny of the urgent workforce and certainly with COVID, that kind of thing. But it's often those bigger things that are on the horizon that are keeping them up at night. And so even that's a form of education for the board, understanding what's happening. Another point you discussed was how to help board members deliver clear messages to audiences that are important to the organization. What tips do you have in that regard? So from a governance perspective, it's really about understanding what's a board's role in communication. So in our presentation, it was someone from a communications group that talked about that, but it's important for board members to understand where they should, and almost more importantly, where they should not be communicating. As a board member, they're not spokespeople for the organization. They're ambassadors for the organization, but they're not spokespeople. In board orientation, it should be communicated to board members who is the spokesperson for the organization. So if for some reason you are approached about something, where do you refer them? Or if your neighbor comes to you and says, oh, I heard such and such about this place. I know you're on the board. What's happening? Board members need to be prepared and understand that it's really not my place to answer that. I mean, you can't say, oh, I can't comment. Oh, I can't answer that. But being able to just give a very, oh, yes, we're aware of this. We're talking about it. But really, this is so-and-so's role to talk about that. I think another piece of it is very important for board members to understand if a service recipient, so a resident, if it's a campus-based organization or some other kind of service recipient or a staff member approaches them with a concern or a complaint, that it's very important for board members not to respond in a way that will be interpreted as, okay, we're going to do something about this. I hear your concern. I always say it's acknowledge and refer. I hear what you're saying, I will share this with the executive, or if it's a staff person, have you talked to your supervisor? That's a place where we can see some stumbles on board members, where they say something and it's interpreted as meaning, okay, 
we're going to do something about this. Do you have any additional thoughts you'd like to share on this topic? Oh, I could talk about governance all day long <laughs> and the role of board members. Being a board member has become a far more challenging role than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And thinking about this partnership between administration and board members, both of them need to recognize that and do what needs to be done to allow board members and the board as a whole to perform at their peak. So advice to people who are either serving on boards or being asked to serve on boards is understand what you're stepping into. Understand the importance of the role and be willing to commit and do what needs to be done. And to the administration side of it, recognize it doesn't all fall on the board members, that you have a role in preparing them and then supporting them in doing that job. And if that teamwork, that combination comes together, it's a wonderful thing and can really be high-performing organizations with strong boards. And that's what we want to see. Well, that's a great place to end our time together. This is McKnight Senior Living Editor Lois Bowers, and I've been speaking with Jane Mack, President and CEO of Friends Services Alliance in Bluebell, Pennsylvania. Thanks again for being here, Jane. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Senior Living Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in senior living news, visit McKnightSeniorLiving.com.